1992, the classic crime thriller Hard Boiled debuted internationally, establishing Chow Yun-Fat as a worldwide superstar and director John Woo as a master of cinematic action. The film stars the inimitable Chow Yun-Fat with Tony Leung, Anthony Wong, and Teresa Mo, and is hailed by many as Wu's masterpiece and served as his ticket to Hollywood. In the pod, we discuss the influence that shaped Wu and in turn the influences that Wu brought back to Hollywood. We also detail the magnetic charisma of Chow Yun-Fat, the rise of Hong Kong cinema in the early 90s, and Wu being the godfather of the subgenre known as Gun Fu, with films such as Hard Boiled, The Killer, Desperado, Equilibrium, and The Matrix. So get ready for a two-gun, double-fisted, banister-sliding shot of tequila as we play back John Woo's 1992 action classic, Hard Boiled. Yeah, the other thing that I, that I was struck by too was the uh, like the intentional and the unintentional comedy mm-hmm. in the movie, where you had like uh, like when he's carrying the baby and his pants catch fire, yeah. <laughs> and the baby pees on him and puts like the fire out. <laughs> I was like, "What?" Like that was the thing I was referring to earlier when I said I didn't remember that. Yeah, and then um, and then also too, like you know the uh, the point where. Um, uh, one of the goons faces off with Teresa, and he and she's got her gun on him. Uh-huh. On she has her gun on him, and she's and he slaps her, mm-hmm. and she takes the slap, and then she blows him uh-huh. away. I'm like, I'd have shot his ass before he ever slapped me. <laughs> and it's so funny because you can see the squibs on him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I know where this is going. Yeah, <laughs> but the funniest part was the ending where he's like, he's got his gun on uh, Alan and you know uh, Wong, the yeah. uh, the villain, and he's like, slap yourself. I'm impotent. Do the other cheek. I'm impotent. Not, not say, yeah, I'm impotent. I ain't got, my dick don't work. <laughs> I'm impotent. <laughs> not get on your knees. Oh, boy. You know, uh, yeah, he was just, it was just funny, man. Yeah. It was just, though, though, and like some of it was not supposed to be funny. It was supposed to be like, oh, this is, I guess, dramatic or melodramatic or, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. it just made me laugh when I was like, okay. <laughs> but. Did they, did I read that they did their own overdubs in English? Uh, now, it was dubbed in English, but not by them. It wasn't by them? Yeah, because the, the guy that's reading Chowing Fat's parts, he's definitely Australian or English. And it's okay. like, okay. Okay. That, that, that's why I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick to the regular with subtitles, man. Okay. <laughs> I was so, I'm so used to watching those, you know, films from the, uh, from, from that part of the world as overdubbed. Mm-hmm. And then when I turned on, I said, well, let me go ahead and turn on the subtitles along with it. And then the subtitles didn't match. Right. So I just turned the subtitles off. And the other thing too was, is because of the nature of, you know, uh, Wu is, you know, is a master filmmaker, Definitely a master of you know the action sequences and, and an innovator and a visionary in that regard. Yeah. So I didn't want to spend too much time reading. I wanted to pay attention to you know what was being shown on screen and also what they were saying. And sometimes captions, I tend to kind of read more than I tend to look, and I don't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. You know, again, because I haven't seen the movie in probably 15, 20 years, easy. Gotcha. You know, so. Um, but anyway, definitely, definitely enjoyed it uh, uh, for sure. 
Cool. Are we recording? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. My bad. Yeah. My bad. No, my you bad. good. I didn't even know. But um. Anyway, what uh, what's your relationship with this movie as it re- as it goes to the rest of Wu's filmography? Oh man, specifically the Hong Kong stuff because that's really. Mm. You know, like I came to all of that stuff in the 90s, literally in the 90s, probably yeah. a few years after. Eh, maybe it might have been around 92, 93. Oh, wow. So you was there. It, it might have been right in. Yeah. Because wow. think about it. Like that was that was around the time when, you know, you video stores and rental, you know, DVD, you know, DVDs and rental store VHS, you know, that was big. Yeah. And so you would have sections of those stores were, you know, they had movies that you never heard of that you normally would not see in American theaters. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, that was the era of people getting like anime yep. and uh, all those weird kind of psychosexual animes, you know, that were real popular. And you could only get them on bootleg VHSs or whatever. So right. this was, this kind of fell in that, in that same category. But like for you, what was, what was your uh, relationship with it? Uh, for me, it was, I'm trying to think in in, in a chrono, chronologically, I think the first John Woo movie I saw was A Better Tomorrow 2. And no the second one, not the first one. That's right. Okay. The second one. Mm-hmm. Because once again, you're talking about video stores. They had this video store was uh, Orbit Video on Memorial Drive. And they were going out of business. And this had a bunch of stuff they were getting rid of. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be over there and I got it. You know, it was only a dollar. So I was like, okay, cool. I watched it and it didn't make a big impact on me. I was just like, okay, I, no, this don't do nothing for me. Okay. But then I remembered that I actually seen, like years earlier, I saw Hard Target. <laughs> Which is his first American movie, right? That's right, exactly. Right. Okay. And as it relates to Hard Boiled, when he was coming over here and when he was actually making Hard Target, Entertainment Tonight had a featurette, like two minutes or so, mm-hmm. talking about, oh, he's this, you know, um, Hong Kong filmmaker coming over and doing this movie here, his first American movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember in particular, they show clips really quickly of like his prior stuff. And the thing they showed was um, in Hard Boiled, um, Chiang Fat is down at the wharf, you know, shooting off with these gangsters, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the famous shot of him diving, and one of the gangsters takes a shotgun and hits and blows this like post or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that, that's like one of the famous stills from the movie. Mm-hmm. They show that, and I remember that being on that featurette. Mm. So it was putting together like bits and pieces of, I, I know of Wu, I've seen stuff like this, but when it came to Hard Boiled, believe it or not, I didn't see it until like 1999. Okay. After Face Off. After Broken Arrow. After, okay, so after more of his American, and you were aware of him as a figure in cinema, obviously, at that point. You're like recognizing, oh, John Woo, Mm -hmm. you know, so, okay. So, so by this point, I'd actually gone back and gotten The Killer, which I loved, and, but I could never find a copy or find a way to get hard boiled. Yeah. Until one day I went to Blockbuster near my house on Covington Highway, and they had it in Blockbuster. Yeah. I was like, and on the, and on the cover, it's Chow Yun Fat linked to the side with the two guns on the mm-hmm. banister. And it's like from the maker of Face Off and Broken Arrow. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit. This is this is it. Oh right. my God, this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Swizz, I went home that afternoon. I put that thing in my VCR up in my room. Mm-hmm. And I was transported for two hours. 
I was like, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. This is wild. Yeah. This is this is crazy. I remember thinking at the time, this is this has got to be the best action movie I've ever seen. Yeah. This is this is great. I mean, when you see those actions, like even what you're talking about, like just a two minute featurette on Entertainment Tonight. Yeah. But when you see some of those action scenes, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. I have not seen this before. And you're not quite sure what it is that makes it different, but it immediately is like, okay, this. It's like when you see, uh, like Frank Miller's art in Daredevil mm-hmm. and the fight scenes and the storytelling, and you're immediately like, okay, this is different from all the other other comics that I've read prior to now. You know, there's a focus here in a spe- in a specific way of storytelling that I haven't seen from Jack Kirby or John Buscema or Rich Buckler or. Uh, you know, any of the other, you know, comic artists that I, you know, whose work I've read prior to now, like it was just specific and different. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you, man. It's like, you know, and then you see later on, obviously we'll get into this when we start talking about, you know, Wu's influence on, on cinema and gun food and all of that. Mm -hmm. You see slicker, more polished and really more watered down versions of it mm. but you know like the killer and better tomorrow is that's the raw dog you know? yes that's the raw dog yo no bag just hitting it, <laughs> just hitting it <laughs> yes <laughs> for sure for sure so. and just man once i saw that i was just i think i was watching that after i got that video cassette man i must have watched it like within the span of uh, the next two weeks, I must have watched like three times. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I can't believe this. This mm-hmm. this is blowing my mind. Yeah. Literally, man. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. From so from then on, then that just became one of my favorite action movies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's up there. Understood. Understood. Mm. Understood. Um. What tell for anybody who's listening who's not seen the movie? Tell them tell them what the Oh, what, yeah. what the plot is. It's a very simple plot. It's, oh, it it's is. not complicated at all. No, 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 no. And in fact, it's actually comparable to a lot of um, uh, Western or particular Hollywood action movies. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so basically, Hardboiled is a 1992 action thriller. Okay. And it stars this cop named Tequila, mm-hmm. who is played by Chow Yun Fat. Mm-hmm. And he's on this one-man crusade against these triads led by this vicious gun runner, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Wong, Johnny played Wong. by Anthony Wong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his villainous lieutenant, his villainous henchman, Mad Dog. Mad Dog. Who threatens to steal the movie. Yes. He steals the movie almost. Well, but that guy <laughs> is a, is an actor from way back in those films, yo. Mm-hmm. So he was, on, um, my reading was like he was on there as a stunt coordinator or something. Yep. And then Wu said, oh, well, let, you know, and they created that part for him. And he, like you said, you know, <sighs> he almost steals the movie because he is so villainous and so menacing and so formidable. Mm-hmm. And then he's, you know, later in the movie, he has that eye patch. It's oh, like, okay, man. you know he's a bad guy because he got an eye patch. Yeah. If you're not Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, <laughs> you got an eye patch, you're automatically the bad guy. You're automatically the villain. <laughs> exactly, yo, exactly. So uh, Tequila is facing off against these vicious gun runners, but there's an undercover cop who's in, who's infiltrated the triads, mm-hmm. played by Tony Leung. And they kind of meet up, but. Tequila doesn't want to re- blow his cover, but something has to give because mm-hmm. 
Allen is the name of the undercover cop. But Allen, he wants to get out. So right. It, in the in the train, they they try not to meet, but they can't help but to do so. Right. And then eventually they come together to take down these gun runners. Right. And the gun runners, in a show stopping finale, they've put their arsenal in the basement of a hospital. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, akin to like you know. Uh, strains of Die Hard, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. put it in like this very public place mm-hmm. and have this confrontation happen amidst civilians, mm-hmm. you know, innocents, right? You know, and and some who are infirmed and sick and you know with crutches and have exactly. other other kinds of things going and, on. and newborn babies, yeah, you know. So yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of collateral damage that goes on too. Yeah, let's let's not discount that. Yeah, but none of that stops it from being like one of the best action movies you will ever see yeah and when you see it you'll see its influence on movies thereafter like just there's before hard-boiled and then there's after hard-boiled true it truly is a demarcation point Mm -hmm. uh for that and also too in terms of the story part of uh tequila's motivation is is his partner is killed that's right in the opening sequence of the shootout in the tea house yeah and so now he's just you know he's he's literally got he got a hard dick and hard boil mm-hmm. for this triad and trying yeah. to and trying to stop these guys but um it very simple plot um uh, easy to follow big you know three major big set pieces you have mm. the, the shootout in the tea house which is absolutely spectacular oh man yes like you're just like oh my god you know yes the shooting and the sliding and the jumping with guns and yes, and then don't forget, man. I thought about this too, where he catches him back in the kitchen and Shaiyun Fat rolls over the table in all that flour and stuff. Right, he comes up to him. And he looks like a ghost. Yes, white is the color of death in Chinese. Oh, okay. So that's why he comes down. And he looks like a ghost. Okay, but it's also to set up, you know, the punchline, if you will, quote unquote, of. He has the guy dead to rights, and he shoots him in anyway, and splashes blood on his face. Mm-hmm. You know, say so that's why he's also in white as well. Yeah, it's the color of death, but it's also had that blood on him. You're right, which is a good contrast against yeah. the white. I was cracking up because the whole time he and Benny are wrecking shop before Benny, his partner, gets killed. Yeah, the whole time he's wrecking shop, and then he's chasing the assassin who kills Benny. He's like. Still got that toothpick in his mouth. Yes. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> he got to. He got to. He still yes. got that cool ass toothpick in his mouth because he's chilling. <laughs> nah, nah. Can't yeah. get that little bit of spinach out there. You know, try to get it out of there. But um, and then when when the cops show up and his lieutenant Pang shows up and he's like, you know, why did you kill him? You know, we, this we were chasing these guys. You know, I wanted to get some information out of him. And he 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 you know he says that. That quote, he says, you know, you give a guy a gun and he thinks he's Superman. You give him two guns, he thinks he's God. Right. You know. <laughs> and uh, and then Tequila is just, you know, off to the races. And this was um, definitely like them trying to show that that Tequila Yoon as a character is supposed to be like a dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. You know, he he doesn't quite follow the rules. He doesn't get along with his superiors. You know, he's a maverick. He's out, you know, he can be a little bit out of control. Um, and yet he ends up having this, you know, really kind of having like a second partner out of Alan, the undercover cop. Exactly. You know, they end up on like some Merton Riggs, you know, back to back. You know, later on in, in the, uh, in the movie. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, I was like, okay, it's no surprise that these two guys are the leads in the movie. Cause they're both super handsome and charismatic. Yeah. yeah. It was like, you know, I mean, I guess 
uh, Fat was probably thirty in his late th- mid to late thirties oh, yeah. at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, but they're both like really good looking and 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 you know hold your you know hold your eye on the screen when they when they're uh, when they're doing their thing. But yeah, man, that was uh, that whole sequence in the tea house and then the 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 shootout in the warehouse. Oh man, on the warehouse is crazy. Swizz, that one set piece has influenced almost two generations of yeah, people. Yeah, easy. You've easy. seen you've seen bits and pieces of that in other movies. Almost immediately once Hardball hit over here, there is a movie, <laughs> a Dolph Lundgren movie called Joshua Tree that came out in '93. I know. I know. <laughs> Sway rolls his eyes like, okay, all right. You said Dolph Lundgren, okay. Right, you lost me at Dolph Lundgren. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, uh, you can look up the trailer online, and it has examples of this too. Um, just even from the trailer, you can tell, damn, they are really stealing from Hard Boiled. They got the motorcycles mm. riding through. They got Dolph Lundgren. He's falling back in a warehouse, sliding on a little dolly and shooting. <laughs> right, right, right. So I'm like, oh, come on, y'all. Y'all didn't even try. Yeah. Y'all just stole all this stuff. And when something blows up, a shower of sparks emits from it. Yeah. <laughs> and- when people get shot, they fall back in slow motion. Okay, you know, and that starts with Pecker Park. But every everybody right was doing versions of that a little mm. bit before that because even even Peck and Park, I think was an influence on Woo. That's right, or westerns and like you said, westerns in general probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I've not seen that movie. I shan't see it. Yeah, I was gonna say, y'all turn it down. <laughs> don't, seek, don't seek it out. <laughs> but yeah, that that warehouse sequence. Oh man, yeah. just. Yeah. Man, that right there? Oh, bro. And we were talking about the character Mad Dog earlier. He went off. Yeah. He went off. Yeah. Like, if they, if you cut the movie and just did that, yeah. it was just like, dang. Yeah. That was uh, Philip Kwok. Philip Kwok. Philip Kwok right. is the actor who plays who plays Mad Dog. And, and like I said, he's been in a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. I think he was a star in... Uh, a lot of martial arts and wusa stuff in the seventies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, because he's older than the other uh, the other actors are, but still killing it, yo. That's right. Still, That's right. Just still fucking killing it. But then the hospital scene at the end, like you said, with the babies and the uh, the patients and the nurses and doctors and all of that, the explosions, um, them shooting with the uh, the rocket launchers on yeah. their shoulders, the missile launchers on their shoulders. Yeah. Uh, which was remnant, reminiscent uh, uh, of Die, Die Hard. Hard. Exactly. Die Hard again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought, too, and this is something that I was struck by. Uh-huh. The last 30 minutes is all the hospital, mm-hmm. and it was a little long for me, mm-hmm. only because it none of it moved the plot forward until you got out of the hospital. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was all just stuff happening, stuff happening, stuff happening, stuff happening. You know, once uh, Alan electrocutes himself yeah. on purpose, yeah. you know, between that and everything else that happens, it's, it, none of it really moves the plot forward until you get to the end where Wong, the villain, has his gun on Alan. And then you see Alan, spoiler alert for anyone who's not seen the movie, you know, he sacrifices himself essentially mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. And that actually completes kind of his arc because he was feeling guilty about having killed the uh, 
Yeah, about the, the, the cop. The cop that he mm-hmm. kills and, and, and kind of not wanting to be in under, undercover anymore, I guess. You know, that thing, that, that trauma that you see. Yeah. People who go undercover too long is like, oh, I'm losing myself. I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I'm one of them or if I'm one of y'all. Maybe right. I'm both. You know? Lawrence Fishburne in deep cover. <laughs> all, yeah, yeah, all of them. Donnie yeah. Brasco, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's tons of, ex- of examples. But, yeah. Um, but I really liked... Uh, I really liked Fat's character. Mm. He was, and then the fact that that he had that, you know, Wu plays the bartender, who's kind of like his, I, not, like a mentor, or like say, a, like a just like a voice of reason for him or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because um, otherwise, he just would have just been like, you know, like Dirty Harry didn't have any shit like that. Right. Know? Exactly. Well, he kind of gets it with his partners. Mm. His partners, you know, even if you're talking about uh, Reno Santoni and yeah. first Dirty Harry, or even. Um, uh, Cagney Lacey, what's the actor's name? Oh, Tyne Daly. Tyne Daly. Or, or, or Felton Perry in the second one, Magnum or, Force. Or Felton Perry, where he does reveal things about himself and what what he thinks, you know, that's not just like barking at a, you know, a, a, you know, make my day or I'm fresh out, you know, <laughs> mercy, I'm fresh out, you know. <laughs> you know, when he's not dropping one liners, you know, you yeah. do get some sense of him as a person when he's with his partners. Mm-hmm. But he never had like a, an Obi Wan, or a you know, a, a you know, or uh, anything, anything like that, or Morpheus, or anything to exactly. kind of talk to, and you know, well, you know, have you considered this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, great cast. This was a successful movie. Mm. It's like four point four million dollar budget, made twenty million dollars in uh, Hong Kong, and and made uh, made a bunch of money in other places. And as we, you and I have both noted, um. It really found its life after that on VHS and then eventually oh, yes. DVD. You know, that's mm-hmm. where it found, you know, its real audience and its longevity. Yeah. Um, but this was, according to what I've read, this was the uh, the movie where because it, it did okay in Hong Kong, his previous films, Better Tomorrow and The Killer, had done better. Yeah. But when he saw how popular it was in the States, that's when he said, okay, I'm going to make my move and, and try to go to Hollywood and become a Hollywood filmmaker. And so then he does Hard Target. Yeah. And then he does like Broken Arrow yes. and Face Off. Yes. And uh, eventually and, he does Mission Impossible 2. That's right. And, the odious. <laughs> the odious and. and, and <laughs> And 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 uh, uh, ridiculed uh, Mission Impossible. It's not that bad, but it's just <laughs> it's 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 definitely the worst of the mission. Yes, you know. And he did a Wind Talkers as well with Nicholas Cage yeah. and yeah. Paycheck with Ben Affleck. And nah, I fuck with Paycheck. Oh bro. man, I'm, fu- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yo. I fuck with Paycheck because I still have cable. Yeah, I work for the cable provider, so it would be on all the time. Yeah. And so I would turn it on. I'd be like, "Okay, this is the part where he and uh, he and his buddy uh, uh, Paul Giamatti's character are in the like the airport or something, uh-huh. and it's like a shootout with the with the flower card and yeah. all this kind of stuff." Uh-huh. All right, I'm gonna watch it from here. <laughs> or, or this is the part where he escapes from the FBI and they're trying to you know read his mind, or, you know wipe his mind, or, not wipe his mind, but they're trying to yeah. look at his brain and see his see his memories or whatever, and his mind has been wiped. Uh-huh. And I liked the premise of a neo future. Mm. Where people are paid black market, you know, corporations pay money to black market engineers to reverse engineer other technologies and steal it. Mm-hmm. So he would, you know, he would go into these companies. This is derailing. 
hard boiled. <laughs> it's all good. It's gonna come back. <laughs> but you know, Ben Affleck's character was a reverse engineer, so he would get paid by co- companies to go in and take some product that's getting ready to come out on the market, figure out how they did it, do a better version of it, and then they would copyright their version of it and trademark their version of it and put it out. And then these companies would wipe his brain so that he mm. couldn't remember what they hired him to do. Mm. So that way he, he had plausible deniability. I was just hired to do a job. I don't even remember it, you know, and then he'd get the money and then he'd just move on. And then, of course, but anyway, it's a classic woo <laughs> to the guns. Yeah. You pointing a gun at me, I'm pointing a gun at you. Uh, you know, lots of, uh, you know, imagery of, you know, uh, like Zen imagery of trees mm-hmm. and bamboo and, you know, he, 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 whatever that, that, uh, martial art is where they fight with the staffs, <laughs> you know, he's doing that and he's fighting, you know, um, but also other trademarks in Wu's movies or in that movie and in others, certainly like in Face Off of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, characters who are conflicted, yes. characters who are loyal, characters who are v- avenging someone who's perished. Yeah, and there's there's also elements of male bonding and male friendship as well. Right, right. You know, e- even if they're even if it's uh, two males bonding or two males who are on opposite sides. Right. But for some reason, they find a common ground. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's there's definitely a lot of that, and it's funny how, as far as the line of demarcation, and you can correct me if you feel that I'm wrong. I think Face Off is like his his peak as far as like his Hollywood. Oh yeah. Like, oh, like yeah. once he reached that, it's like it, everything came together. His Venn diagram came together of, okay, now I have enough money to do my Hong Kong thing here. And I got these big budget American actors and all these special effects. Mm-hmm. Everything's come together. This yeah. is like it. Yeah. And quite a bit of it, like all of his flourishes, all mm. of his hallmarks all work Yeah, in that movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So prior to that, if you were unaware of, you know, his Hong Kong films- if you were only aware of Hard Target and um, and Broken Arrow and Broken Arrow, yeah, and MI Two comes after Face Off. That's, that's right. in two thousand, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you were only aware of those two films, you know, you're kind of a little okay, okay. But this one really has all of those hallmarks, like you said, and you're getting peak Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. and you're getting peak John Travolta. Yes. At the same time. You're getting Nicolas Cage at his most Nicolas Cages. Yes. Yes. And you're getting John Travolta okay. on his on the John Travolta Renaissance mm-hmm. post pulp fiction and you know now like Phenomenon and you know all these other movies that he did around yeah. that time where it's like Broken Arrow, you know. <laughs> you know, he's like he's smelling himself. He's yes. feeling I'm back, baby. You know? <laughs> the fever is back, you know. So and he owes it to it. But I agree with you, face off is the peak. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, it starts, starts. to dip and, mm-hmm. and get a little wobbly, mm-hmm. you know, with wind talkers and, and then eventually uh, MI2 is, you know, and, like, ah, and paycheck. Yeah. And then paycheck. But I'll say what else, too, happened is that now that generation of filmmakers who discovered Wu and are starting to make movies of their own now. Right. They've adopted those flourishes as well. So now they've made them commonplace. Whereas initially it was like you can only get this by seeing this Hong Kong stuff, by right. only seeing Wu's original movies. Right. But nowadays and thereafter, it's just like okay, this is this is commonplace now. Right. So I can see why Wu eventually started to recede. And a lot of people, well, I won't I won't say a lot, but there are many people that don't even realize that that's where that stuff came from. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? And, and as getting back to hard boiled, 
Like, even seeing this movie and watching it again, which this may be maybe my third time seeing it, maybe okay. third, third or fourth time seeing it, you know, you do see camera moves and staging that he would come back to later on in other films in terms of how he sets up so you know where the characters are in the room, mm. camera moving around, a camera, you know, starting high and coming down, um, you know, foreground and background, things of that nature. Um and also too, like like what you're saying as far as like things that he did that other people, like you said now, it's like when you see an old one of the whatever the first buddy cop action movie might be considered. I forget which one which one might be considered the very first. Mm. Maybe something like maybe like French Connection or okay, yeah. something in that era mm-hmm. where you see okay the two guys who are not alike they don't quite get along but they find common ground or whatever. So you do see, you know, if you go back and you see that, it's unimpressive because you've seen so much of it now. Mm -hmm. But back then, it was fresh. It was new. It was innovative. Again, he was a visionary. Mm -hmm. You know, typical action movies would be prior, you know, pre-woo, pre-demarcation, pre-hardboil, pre-the killer, is you'd see somebody shoot someone and then the camera would cut and show the reaction. Right. Now, with Wu's movies, you see the action and the impact all in the same frame. Mm-hmm. So you're not thinking about it as an audience member, but now it feels more visceral. It feels more. That's what I was say. It yeah. feels more like, oh shit, I'm in a room with somebody who just shot another person. Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't. You know, you don't get that disconnectedness. Right. Exactly. You know? um, so stuff like that was just different. And then, like using, you know, like in Dirty Harry. You know, they go to the mine and then Harry's on the 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 pulley and yeah. you know coming up, you know, like like Arnold in Terminator right. 2. You know <laughs> he's coming up the gravel pulley or whatever they call it, yeah. the conveyor or whatever. They're using, you know, the place where the final battle takes place as part of, of, of the set. But Wu does it in a way where, okay, okay, in a hospital, you know, dudes are running. Jumps on a gurney and he's shooting yep. on the gurney. Or, you know, you're in a warehouse and you're on like a, 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 a not a four wheeler, but a uh, the thing that a mechanic sits on to slide under the car. Yeah, you sliding on that, yeah, you're shooting true. at yeah. the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, jumping over booths in the restaurant and shooting with two guns and then rolling and flipping a table. Um, you know, all of that stuff was just it was just brand new and it just you just didn't see it as viscerally as it is in his films. Yeah, and I, and I would say that you really don't have a you really don't have a lot of that now. Now, you could argue I mean, that Ringo Lamb did maybe some of it in like City on Fire. I'm glad you brought that up. Or yeah. uh, Full Contact. Full, oh man, yeah. okay, you, you starting to get deep, yeah. all right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. okay, you know something about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know your shit, okay. Um, but yeah, exactly. And I think that's what made you know Hong Kong cinema or HK cinema as it was you know um, mm-hmm. initialized, um, just. You know, so visceral and so different. It would be like, you know, that type of thing. You would have to really hunt hunt down. You know what I'm saying? Right. It would be like anything like, you know, you'd have to go to a place to get a certain comic. Or um, when punk and hip-hop were starting out, those were alternatives rather than the mainstream. Right. So stuff like you were mentioning earlier, anime, manga, these are things you would have to hunt down. Mm-hmm. Such as it was with Hong Kong cinema. And all imports. Exactly. All imports. You couldn't, you know, there was nobody making that stuff here mm-hmm. until, you know, like another generation of filmmakers, you know, behind Wu. Exactly. Exactly. So, it's it's tough now to find, I, I guess, 
the the comparable thing would be something like on um, Korean action cinema now. Right. You know, you see a lot of that stuff. Which is to having its day. You know? Exactly. I remember I told you I watched like a ton of that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it so good. Yeah. Like, you were mentioning that. So good. I have to go back and try it because I just was, this is pandemic. I'm just Googling. Okay. I, I watched something that I really enjoyed. I know. I think, I think it was uh parasite. Okay. And then I watched uh, memories of a murder, mm-hmm. which is another, uh, 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 Bong Joon-ho uh, film and then I said well let me just find some other things and, and I searched specifically action movies Okay. and so I watched three or four of them and they were all great mm. you know really like great action scenes violent you know lots of assassins and, and you know who are kind of losing their heart for the job right. or you know they're going to defend some innocent person for seemingly no reason like why are you why are you putting yourself in harm's way for... <laughs> That's the plot of the killer, too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, the, the, the assassin, the yeah. John Wick type who's, yeah. you know, turning his back on his old life or wants to and is, yeah. is unable to. But, um, oh, but definitely all imports. Um, so Wu, prior to this, had done the Better Tomorrow movies in The Killer. Mm-hmm. And he did Bullet in the Head. Oh, which is which is an underrated classic. Okay. See it if you haven't. Okay. I have not seen Bullet in the Head. I was aware of it, but I, I never did see that one. I saw both of the Better Tomorrows and definitely saw The Killer. Okay. Uh, and he had been working in Hong Kong fi- uh, film for since the 70s. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. had even done like some war movies, maybe some Wusai, had done yes. some comedy, like action comedies and stuff, uh, a variety of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Fat, um, Fat, who was 35 at the time, had, um, he had been working since, uh, since, since the 70s as well. And he eventually does full contact with, uh, with Lamb. Yeah. And then he does, of course, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And then later on, he kind of makes his American debut in like The Replacement Killers with Mira Savino. Man, I was so disappointed. I was waiting on it. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be great. Chai Yung Fat's coming. I remember seeing that the weekend it opened. I was just like... Oh. I saw it in theaters. Yeah, too, me too. Thinking like like you said, oh, this is this is gonna be his moment. Yeah. Uh movie wasn't great. Mm-mm. And then Bulletproof Monk. Oh. <laughs> oh. Then Anne and the King with Jodie Foster. Oh. <laughs> Look, and then the 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 absolute you know, crest downward was he does a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh yeah. I, I, I forgot about that. Oh, oh. And Man. he's a terrific Yes. Charismatic actor. He's definitely got chops. Absolutely. But, you know. And I mean, the, it, man, that's crazy. Yeah. And then Tony Leung, who had uh, he had worked since 83, he he did he was in Bullet in the Head with uh mm-hmm. uh with Wu. Yeah. Later on he does a movie that's a romantic drama called In the Mood for Love, which is which a very is highly regarded. Have you seen it? Yeah. I heard it's very good. It is, it is. And you wouldn't expect it at first, but it grows on you and then you just find yourself watching it. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is great. This is unfolding. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's on my list to uh, to check out. Check that was another out. one where I was just Googling and somebody was like, oh, if you like this, you might like, mm-hmm. you know, this film or whatever. But he eventually shows up in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe yes. as, uh, in Shang-Chi yeah. later on. So, I mean, good for him. Uh, a lot of the other actors, Teresa Mo, didn't do a ton of other things mm. in America. A lot of Hong Kong, you know, features and stuff. Of course. Um, Philip Chan, who played Pang. And uh, and then Mad Dog, you know your boy uh, Philip Kwok uh, <laughs> as well. Hey, two things, um, Philip Chan. You've seen him in other things. Um, many people might recognize him as the police superintendent in Bloodsport. 
um, when Van Damme goes to Hong Kong and then the two American agents come after him to bring him back, mm-hmm. they work with the Hong Kong Police Department and he's the superintendent of the police department. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So okay. I was like, okay, I've seen, when I first saw Hard Boiled, I was like, I've seen him somewhere before. Yeah. And I remember he was from that. Yeah. And Philip Kwok, he still does quant- yeah, stunt coordinating. Okay. <laughs> um, most recently, I think he's passed away, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Yeah. Because he was older than those guys, so. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're all 60 now. Yeah, yeah. You so know. he's up there. Yeah. But he was still doing work. Um, the last thing I remember him doing was, do you remember this movie called Brotherhood of the Wolf? It's a French movie. Uh, about about werewolves it. and not, not medieval France, but 17th century, 18th century France. Okay. Okay. So he did the stunt coordination for that. Because it was like these... 18th century guys, these Frenchmen, but they know Kung Fu. What? But it worked. Hey, That's hey, a good ass movie, though. <laughs> but it was just like, eh, what the? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so he was still, you know, active in the industry for sure. You yeah. know? Yeah. Late in the game. Did we talk about on mic the, the soundtrack? <laughs> no, nah, not okay. yet. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching it, right? And I'm like, okay, so this came out in 92. Yeah. And I'm listening to the soundtrack, especially like when they run the end credits and the song they run in the end credits was like with the the the, the, the big 80s drums and the synth and the, and the saxophone. I'm like, oh my God, it's so 1980s, like yeah. some leftover, you know, the stuff that got rejected from Lethal Weapon and from, you know, all these other movies. <laughs> and that's so funny every big reveal is like a saxophone solo yeah. somebody gets shot <laughs> <laughs> exactly it was so bad it was so bad but the film went into production or development I guess in the ni- in 90 yeah so it was close enough to the 80s and probably for budgetary reasons it's like okay you know because I think they hired an American guy named uh, Michael, Michael Gibbs Di- Michael Gibbs yes yeah to do so maybe he was like cheap Yes, but, but you know what, though, Swizz? What? I, I did end up, I love that movie so much, I ended up hunting down the soundtrack, and I did got you? it on disc. Did you? Yeah. Oh, to this wow. day, I still have it. I, I bought wow. it, like, years ago, like, 15 years ago, and I was like, man, I finally got this thing, and the cues are there, because I, I, I collect soundtracks for the cues, mm-hmm. so the, the, the cue in the warehouse, it's the sax. The, the cue when he shoots him at the library, it's a sax. You know, like, yeah. I don't know. I just like that that soundtrack, you I, know. I, I, I'm not going to hate on it totally, but it was just like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I was expecting something different, especially, like, when you think about something like um, Reservoir Dogs that comes out around the same time. Yeah. And has this kind of cool retro soundtrack. And also, too, like, you know, that's the early days of hip-hop. And so, you know... I'm thinking, okay, 90s, uh-huh. 90s, no, they're like, no, 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 88, 87, mm. <laughs> 89, <laughs> we still, we still over here, you know. Uh, Man, but you, but you, we were mentioning the soundtrack and off mic, we, I was also mentioning, it's very similar to, speaking of influences, um, Rapid Fire, the Brandon yes. Lee movie from 92. Yeah. Okay, the part, my, my favorite scene in the movie where he has to escape the apartment, you know, from the people trying to kill him.
the music that's playing then is like this, similar to what's in Hard Boiled, that crazy fusion jazz. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I loved it because it made the scene, the scene was already frantic or whatnot, yeah. and the music made it even more so, you know? So it's just like, dang, this is, this, it works. It works for the scene. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then speaking of influences, uh, Swain had noticed earlier that I had brought a comic book with me. All right. The reason I brought this comic book, this is uh, Dragon, Blood and Guts, issue one from 1993. With the Jason Pearson cover? Yes. And Jason Pearson interiors. And Jason Pearson wrote this. The late Jason Pearson. The late Jason Pearson. Yeah. Yes. Now, the reason I brought this is... (laughs) Okay. So, this came out in 93, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm showing um, Swain this right here. Who is the bartender? Is that Wu? Yes. The bartender is John Wu. Oh, wow. A killer. Yes. A killer one this time. Oh, and he even puts uh, quotes on it for emphasis. Yes. <laughs> oh, nice. He's getting an homage to, uh, to Wu. Exactly. Exactly. And it goes even further than that. They go outside of the bar in here, and the name of the bar is Hard Boiled Bar and Grill. Oh, nice. Okay. And even further, mm-hmm. there is a uh, gang of henchmen that work for this main bad guy. And they ride motorcycles, and they do the whole motorcycle thing just like in Hard Boiled. Okay, when they you know travel to the warehouse. To the warehouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the second issue is more of that same thing. There's a whole shootout, not at a warehouse, but it's them, it's Savage Dragon fending them off. You know, doing the whole thing of shooting them while they're on the motorcycles and all this kind of stuff. Okay. So, all of that is to say that. The influences are there like immediately mm-hmm. when Hard Boiled comes out. Like it's almost more the most populous of his movies, the most accessible. Mm-hmm. And that's on purpose because Wu, he really wanted to do like those maverick loner cop type movies, like we were saying earlier. Right. So he said, you know, I- I'm going to bring some of that, some of those influences that we're getting here, turn it on its ear and give it back to the West, which he did. So you have stuff like, you know, in comics, you know, with this. You have movies that come out immediately biting off of Hard Boil. Like that movie I mentioned earlier, Joshua Tree, <laughs> with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. You don't have to watch the whole thing. I but, can't. <laughs> <laughs> but look up the trailer on YouTube, and you're going to be like, dang, this is, dang, you, you, just, you just went We're to just, the theater, came out and said, I could do this. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, like immediately thereafter, you know, American um, directors started biting off of it, mm-hmm. you know, and then it took Wu to just come on over here, make hard, sorry, you'd be like, okay, I'm here now. Let me show y'all how it's done. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's funny because, like, um, Jason doing an homage to Wu in... When did this come out? This issue? This came out in 93, July of 93. So this came out, you know, the year after Hard Boiled. But Jason and, like, I remember back in those days, you know, Rico mm-hmm. and Dexter and then a lot of the Gajin guys, you know, they were keyed in on this stuff. Yeah. You know, that was how I was seeing all of the, the really kind of X-rated, like, anime and, <laughs> you know, the weird, you know, monsters having sex with this girl on top of a Ferris wheel, whatever movie that was. I oh, I, it's Legend of the Overfiend. Legend of the Overfiend, yeah. <laughs> you know, but also, too, again, you know. Getting these imports, not just feeding on the stuff that was stateside, mm-hmm. but you know, wanting to feed on the stuff that was from other places, 
and had other sensibilities. You know, they were really, really big fans of uh, uh, a lot of the Gaijin guys. And I remember Dexter in particular was a real big fan of Masamani Shiro. Mm, you know, mm. so these other in, these other influences outside of the U.S. You know that were uh, affecting their sensibilities. So that's awesome that he did a. Uh, you know, he paid uh, paid homage to uh, yeah. to, to Hardball and to Wu in uh, in the comic. The last thing I was going to mention, I wanted to mention, was uh, it was so funny. So there's a scene in the final the final uh, battle at the hospital where uh, Teresa tells uh, uh, t- uh, Tequila, "Hey, we got to go save the babies in the baby ward or whatever." Yeah. And so they go in there, and she says, "Let's put cotton in their ears because of all of the shootings. She didn't want to hurt the baby's ears. Mm-hmm. So they're putting cotton in these babies' ears. What was it like? Forty nine babies in this damn uh, ward? <laughs> How much cotton y'all got? <laughs> so they put cotton in all of the all of the baby's ears, and then eventually, when the SWAT team kind of swarms in and they become part of the mix." They're like lowering the babies out the window. <laughs> Look like like sacks of cash in a stack in a stash house in West Baltimore. <laughs> like lowering them down. <laughs> like, I want babies on the table. <laughs> I want my corners. <laughs> it was so crazy. Oh boy. You know, it's oh thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. It's like, okay. It's like, like it's so wicked daycare like the parents running up oh appreciate it this ain't right. mine <laughs> but the the from what i understand the production for the movie was challenged mm. because originally there was a whole plot line of uh, a psycho a psychotic person poisoning baby food and poisoning babies mm-hmm. and then they jettisoned that and then it brought in a different element. As a matter of fact, uh, Tony Leung was supposed to play mm, the psychotic, and then right. when they switched it, then they made him the undercover cop. Mm-hmm. But this movie, this production was 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 fraught with you know they like they shot the whole tea house sequence. There was no script. Mm-hmm. The script wasn't finished. Yeah, Barry Wong had passed away, you know, after he, the initial writing of the script, and so it wasn't finished. And so they shot the tea house scene before they they had even finished the script. Yeah. And then, you know, again, Mad Dog's uh, Philip Quack's character, Mad Dog was not in the movie. They wrote that in while they're doing it. Mm-hmm. The scene in uh the bar where um uh Tequila is playing a uh, uh, clar- jazz clarinet with the band. Yeah. They wrote all that and shot it all in an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's you know, it was a lot of improvisation. Uh the character uh Teresa Teresa Mo plays a character called Teresa. Yeah. Originally it's supposed to be Michelle Yao. Mm. But she couldn't do it for scheduling reasons, and she was friends with one of the producers, and so right. they 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 cast uh, Teresa Mo. But you know, it was just a lot going on, and they shot. It took four months to shoot this movie. Mm-hmm. They spent almost a, more than a month just shooting all the hospital stuff. Yes, yeah, you know, to, to, to get it right. And I had read that they had put uh, like uh, some kind of a covering over the windows to make it seem like it was nighttime. Yeah, so they would basically be shooting. You know, they could shoot anytime they wanted, and it would still seem like it was night because the final battle takes place mm-hmm. at night. And I read that real triads were showing That's up to right. get paid. Like, look, you don't want us to fuck you up. We need we <laughs> you need to break us off. Yo. You know, and it's so crazy because um this, this I don't know, like mobsters do that stuff. Anytime there's a mobster type movie, they will show up. Oh, oh, y'all making a movie about us. Mm-hmm. Wait till the real thing shows up. Now mm-hmm. we want some money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, damn, like them triads is no joke. Yeah. And it's so funny how every generation has their, um, I won't say, 
not not, not a boogeyman, but like that particular pr- protagonist, like mobsters. Mm-hmm. Mobsters went from Italian gangsters in the seventies and eighties, then it turned into Russian mobsters, then it turned into Chinese mobsters, triads, and then Russian mobsters again. And then the Yakuza, yeah. you know, in in, in in like the nineties too. Exactly. You know, Black Rain era. Yeah, and, Black uh, Rain, other yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how and even with all of that. Real gangsters somehow got to find their way into it and be like, hey, um, either you can give us some real money or we need to be technical advisors. We need something. Yeah. You yeah. know. And they even played off of that in The Sopranos mm. with uh, when Christopher shows up on the movie set and John Favreau is directing the scene. Yeah. He's like, I, I need a better word to use, a better word to use. And Christopher says, call him a bukiak. Bukaki, basically. Yeah. We call it bukaki. <laughs> bukiak. What does it mean? It's uh, Sicilian for cunt. <laughs> or something like that or whatever and then he kind of becomes an advisor yeah on this gangster film or whatever so <laughs> craziness man let's talk about the gun foo yo yes let's so i was not aware of this as a term until way recently maybe in the last 10 years really okay like that it was an actual term i just thought it was just martial arts or whatever mm-hmm. but it references obviously kung fu and gunplay intermingled in a very stylized way mm-hmm. and john was considered the 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 grandfather of it or mm-hmm. the father of it the one who birthed it the you know the uh the mastermind in the lab who, who put this together and with each movie he kind of perfects it a little more perfects it a little more heightens it a little more until we get to hard-boiled where mm. you know we see tequila slide down the banister in the yes. tea house and he's shooting <laughs> the two guns yeah. or you know all the sliding back and forth on the floor or you know all this stuff that he does. When when did you become aware that this was actually a like a thing, a subgenre within, I guess, action movies uh, itself? I would say probably when Equilibrium came out with uh, Christian Bale. Okay, remember that one? And that one explicitly is when the term gun fu really started to come up mm-hmm. because you know in that movie it's very stylized. They even make a a quasi religion out of it, mm-hmm. you know, the whole kata of using the pistols and <gasps> well, they actually refer to that as gun kata. Oh, brother. <laughs> ah, so it's me. a sub sub genre. <laughs> gun kata. But but you know, it would be something like Equilibrium or yeah. Matrix or uh uh some, what else would be uh Something else. Anyway, Matrix and Equilibrium would yeah. be like gun cut where it's very stylized and mm. very like specific and posy, you know. Yes. Much like much like much like those period martial arts movies that we grew up on, obviously, mm-hmm. in the seventies and early eighties. You know, the same type of posing. Right. You know, I, I pose here. And you can almost see the moves coming. Right. You know that he's going to block block here block the kick come up and block the kick before it hits his head exactly. and you know catch it on the forearm and- but it doesn't make it any less entertaining right. but just that you know these are the tropes if you will within this particular genre such as it is with gun fu in fact there's even a comic called gun fu is there there is but no relation to anything with any these types of movies or whatnot it's mm-hmm. actually very much more cartoony but I think it's playing off of that becoming a term. Okay. And this was an independent um, comic um, about 2003, 2004. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some people call it gun F you. But the, um, the thing about it that's really interesting to me is 
because it is so different from what you had seen previously. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, you know, in like Wusai, you know, they, uh, uh, you know, they you you take a sword out or whatever, a blade or you know, samurai sword, whatever it is, right? You know, you unsheath it or whatever, and then it be you know, that's an extension of you. Mm -hmm. And in gun food, the guns are an extension of the person who's wielding it. That's right. Like they wield it like a sword. That's right. You know, they jerk it when they shoot. They don't just walk around like like police officers in a procedural where the gun is like an extension of their wrist. It's an extension of their whole body, their whole being. Mm -hmm. And so you see them like taking guns and putting it at people's necks like a sword, you know, as a, in a threatening motion. Yes. Um, you see them cross, you know, the whole in Wu, typical, oh, typical Wu trademark is, you know, crossing guns yep. and then my gun's in your face and your gun is in my face, like a sword would be, you know, mm -hmm. cross swords. That's right. You know, it's very, very different. And um, anyway, it's just, it's just amazing. And then also, again, like, you know, seeing, you know, the, the shot, like the, like the sequence in the hospital, mm -hmm. which I heard that they shot. They only had one chance to shoot it, and they shot it in one day or whatever. But the three-minute sequence that's uncut, yeah, where Tequila and Alan are walking down the hall and they're taking each corner, bang, 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 bang killing bang. bad guys, Ooh. talking to each other, you know, and then they're going and then cut another corner, bang, 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 and it's three minutes all uninterrupted, uninterrupted, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like the uh, the scene in Old Boy or kind of like the hallway scene fight in uh, Daredevil, if yeah. you remember it. You know, where it's just like one big long thing and it's only stopped by the slow motion, you know, where he slows, does a slow motion and you like, you get a sense of more drama yeah. and then it picks back up again or whatever. And then it catches back up. Just great stuff. But just even showing those, all the action within the frame, you know, like you're not cutting away. That's right. You're seeing the, you know, and then you're, and you're aware like, okay, I'm prowling this hallway with these dudes that's right i'm 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 not first through the door but i'm third through the door <laughs> behind alan who's behind tequila but you, you know what's interesting about that too is like you know how um hitchcock had that whole thing of that movie rope right mm -hmm. it's, oh, it's one long take no it's not right he found ways to get around these cuts right um the way that um Wu gets around it and i still one cut though mm -hmm. i mean it's legitimately one cut they make their way down the hallway mm -hmm. in this first half, and they get to an elevator. And while they're in the elevator reloading and having some dialogue, the crew is actually out there rearranging things to make it look like they're on a different floor. You know? Oh, wow. Okay. Like they're in the elevator going up to another floor. Whatnot. So the door is closed, and when the door is open, it looks like it's a different hallway. Yeah. And they, they've reset everything and got new you know, squibs and explosives, and it's like, okay, we're ready to go. Bring them out. And so when the door opens and they get back to it, it's still the same floor, but they rearranged it yeah. to look a uh, totally new set. Okay. Yeah. Movie magic to to kind of get around because uh, <laughs> they shot all of it in essentially one big warehouse. The hospital is a warehouse. Mm -hmm. The uh, the warehouse is was a, a warehouse. warehouse. Yeah. And the tea house actually was a tea house. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand. Yeah. And that got torn down after they shot the uh, the scene there. Man. And all the neighbors were complaining. But the cops really liked John Woo because they liked the gangster movies, and then they they knew he was doing a, a cops and robbers. Yeah. So they were like, they didn't, you know, they didn't respond or, or hassle uh, the production while they were shooting all of that. But examples of gunfu movies we've talked about a lot, a lot of Woo's, mm. uh, Gods of the Gamblers. We, you and I talked off mic a little bit about Police Story. Oh yeah. Crime Story. I guess Rumble in the Bronx and. Well, not so much. Not so much. Yeah, like Rumble in the Bronx, um, Police Story. 
Chan does play a police, uh, Jackie Chan. He does play a police officer, but he doesn't use his gun a lot. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, so, Gods and Gamblers, yes, because Shining Fat's in that one. Mm-hmm. And he, obviously, he plays a gambler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the sash and yeah, he's all, the scarf. And he's all slick. He's all slick. He's all slick, yo. <laughs> uh, whatever the Hong Kong equivalent of the smooth macadamia nut would be, that's what he was. You know, they, they, in fact, they call him the Cary Grant of Hong Kong. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I was like, that fits. That's yeah. smooth. Yeah, yeah, that actually does work. Um, but then later, of course, replacement killers. Mm-hmm. Shoot him up with Clive Owen. Yes, yes, okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and John Paul Giamatti as the heavy as the, yeah. as the villain. Um, there's elements of it in Desperado. Oh, of course. You know that's who we meant to mention. Yeah, Rodriguez is definitely influenced by John Woo. Yeah, he's pretty much there at ground zero. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Equilibrium in Matrix we talked about. Mm-hmm. Underworld has has, oh, yeah. has large elements of it as well. Mm-hmm. Ultraviolet mm-hmm. Uh, and Resident Evil, both you yes. know Mila Jovovich uh, films. Yeah, Wanted most definitely. Oh yeah, you know had tons of it in there. Very stylized, you know, with the you know the gun mm-hmm. swirling around somebody. Um, kick ass. Mm. You know the scenes with uh, Big Daddy and with uh, Hit Girl. Yeah. Uh, Kick-Ass has it. And then more recently, and I guess there's gunplay, because I, I didn't finish the, finish watching the movie. I only watched the first uh, 30 minutes of it. But there's definitely like crazy martial arts and crazy moves in it. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, really? Yeah, Michelle Michelle Yao's uh, more recent film. Now, now that has that has um, gunplay in it? Not necessarily. More science gun- fiction-y not, type? Well, it's science fiction-y, but there's action move, action stuff in it. Really? Okay. Yeah, like her and I forgot the actor's name who who uh, was in Goonies. He oh, kind of yeah. made his comeback. I mm-hmm. think his name is Key. Yeah, Key 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 Huey Quan. I think so. I think so. But Key, uh, he's kicking ass and hmm. you know and fighting security guards and she's doing stuff. Okay. And then there's like a almost kind of like a wus- a wus- I seen you know where she kind of zooms back goes back in time or whatever and you know time travel like you're saying science fiction and all that but. I mean, it just had, you know, again, the same ferocity and the same kind of manicness. And then another one, too, is is that, uh, did you ever see uh, Kingsman, the first Kingsman? Uh, I did not. And they, they've made two or three of them now, haven't they? They've made three at this yeah. point, yeah. Mm-hmm. The very first one with Colin Firth and uh, Tyler Edgerton? Yes. Um, and um, anyway, there's a scene where Colin Firth goes to like a, Baptist church in Arkansas, somewhere in the South, mm-hmm. and everybody gets this manic thing where they're going crazy and they get violent, and he's got to basically kill like the whole church. Damn. And it is a crazy, crazy frenetic fight. One of the best fight scenes you've seen in an American movie. Wow. We're like, wow, you know, this is <laughs> outstanding and uh, super violent and like, like, well, very well done. And then it, you know, obviously Matthew Vaughn, who directed one, mm. you know, he kind of refined his chops, you know, in this in this particular movie as well. But of course, then the the granddaddy of them all is John the John Wick. Films. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the John Wick films where it's all gunplay, it's all gunfu, it's all jujitsu moves, it's all double taps where he shoots somebody and then shoots them in the head. <laughs> um, you know, where he literally, and even to the point where this is the thing where the John Woo movies. I mean, excuse me, the John Wick movies actually take it a step farther and do something that I think has hmm. even added another element to it. Dang, what would that be? He reloads constantly throughout the course of the movie. You know how you see 
and the guns just it never seemed to run out of rounds. Yeah. <laughs> he he shoots and shoots, runs out of bullets, grabs somebody in a headlock, pulls this thing out, reloads his gun, pops him in the head, takes another guy's gun, reloads, shotgun, boom, boom, boom. Guys come around the corner. He's constantly reloading, reloading throughout the course of his fights, and it is so satisfying. Yeah. Because it's like, oh shit! <laughs> so I mean, and that, I think that's one of the things that that kind of takes it. But funny thing is, they've done three John Wicks. The fourth one is getting ready to come out. Yeah. And by the time you get to the third, when Keanu is like, he's a few years younger than me. He's like fifty one, fifty two. <laughs> so you can kind of see the moves, like you say, you kind of see the moves yep. coming. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> the 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 climax of John Woo. John, I keep wanting to see John Wick <laughs> of John Wick three, yeah, and that's the one with uh, Halle Berry in it. She's fantastic. Okay, kicks ass, fantastic. But the climax of it, he fights uh, two guys, right. and beats and, and beats and kills two guys. No, he doesn't kill them. He beats them, but I don't think he kills them. Hmm. And then his final battle is um, against Mark Damascus. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. shit. Mark Damascus. Cool. And, I, and he stabs Mark Damascus. But Mark Damascus is like on some, like they're sitting and waiting because, you know, they, and then they don't, you know they're going to fight. They know they're going to eventually have to fight. And it's kind of sitting and waiting on something to happen. And he's like, yo, John, I just want to say I'm a real big fan. I mean, just a huge <laughs> fan. <laughs> he starts turning into Chris Farley on, uh, on SNL. <laughs> And everybody is a fan of John Wick. Even the two guys that he that he fights who are way better martial artists than he are, and they're younger than him. Yeah. And you could tell they would have just mopped the floor with this dude. Uh, they're like, oh, man, it's an honor to fight you, John Wick. It'll be an honor to kill you, John Wick. <laughs> the great Baba Yaga, the boogeyman. You yeah. know, it's like, you know. anyway, just fantastic stuff. But that is probably the granddaddy, modern day granddaddy, uh, 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 gung fu. You know, movie in uh, in terms of modern day. You know, yeah, for sure. totally, totally, man. So, well, to close it out, what do you think is the legacy of Hard Boiled? You know, in terms of where does it lie for you in terms of action movies? You know, since we've seen so much afterwards, mm -hmm. you know, they have kind of you know taken influence from it. For yourself, where would that lie in your pantheon of action movies? Uh. It's definitely in the top ten, at mm. least. I, I maybe top five. Mm. I haven't actually quantified. You know, I hadn't had actually ranked like a list of, of action movies. Yeah, but it's special because of the innovation, because it is the first to kind of do some things. And even watching it some thirty years later, uh, thirty-one years later, we were actually going to do this last year. Yeah, we didn't get to it. But watching it thirty-one years later. Those action scenes are still, still kick ass. Mm -hmm. um, the fashion is okay, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and the haircuts and whatnot. You know, it doesn't. To really, the soundtrack is the only thing that really takes me takes me out of it. Yeah, and the fact that you know it's shot on, um, you know, it's shot in such a way where the color is not quite as rich and right. You know, the lenses were were not as good as is what you know we'll use later, like you said, and more of his Hollywood peak with stuff yeah. like face off and 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 things like that. But it's it's definitely top five, maybe top top ten, maybe top five for mm. sure. And it is again that's it's that point where he moves from Hong Kong to Hollywood, and then kind of goes back to Hong Kong a little, you know, ten fifteen years later or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's the culmination of you know all the things that he was doing that made him unique. 
mm-hmm. you know, as a filmmaker that made him unique as an action filmmaker, as one who action crime thrillers, you know, it's, it's, it's the one that really was like, wow, okay, this one really kind of took the world by storm and rightly so, deservedly so, you know, what about, what about you? Um, definitely, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, it's within my top three for sure. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Just there was, like I mentioned, it's before hard boiled and after hard boiled. Mm-hmm. Like watching this like yourself and 31 years later, I found myself, it sounds cheesy, but I was actually like mentally like giddy watching some of this stuff again because it had been several years since I watched it. And I was like, wow, dang, this is still so fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, this is still just, it moves. This is like, wow. Mm-hmm. And I even caught myself smiling a couple of times. Like, wow, this is, this is, I can see somebody seeing this for the first time in 92 would just be like, it would blow their minds. Because mm-hmm. they were saying even when it premiered at the uh, Toronto Film Festival mm-hmm. in 92, people were clapping and applauding and stamp stomping their feet and everything at the screen mm-hmm. because they just didn't know how to react to this piece of cinema going on. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, they'd never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's the legacy of Hard Boiled as well. It's like, it's influenced so much and it's almost taken the Western influences, uh, put it through its own blender and gave it back to us with something fresh and new, mm-hmm. you know? And we've had so much influence since then, but it still stands as the granddaddy of them all. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever.com at gmail.com and also subscribe to us on social media you can find us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram